if you don't design your life, someone else will design it for you, and you may just not like their idea of balance. Hey guys, welcome to The Balance. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Pair. Pair is a talent booking agency that allows any artist, regardless of demand, to independently book events through a clean and simple mobile application. It encompasses every aspect of the booking process, integrating paperless contracts, electronic payments, and even calendar organization. Pair will diminish the unnecessary in order to increase the profitability and productivity of the artist. Find out more at pairbooking.com. So, for this episode, we'll be hearing from James Mead. He's a massively busy guy, so Joel had to catch him on the road. Um, so we recorded the phone call, uh, but there are some points where, because of signal and things like that, they either overlap each other or they cut out. Uh, I did my best to keep the interview flowing, but it's not perfect. So bear with us on this one, because he's got a ton of amazing points you won't want to be caught sleeping on. Enjoy. I'll see you at the end. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Balance Podcast, where we talk about the balance between creativity and everything else that fuels it. Uh, today, we are talking to a world traveler who um, has synesthesia, has been to all 50 states, and is named after both of his grandfathers, James and Robert, but thought he was named after his dad until he was eight, because his father's name is Robert James. Welcome, James Mead. Yo, everybody, how's it going? <laughs> how's it going, man? How are you? I'm really good. You know, who could not be awesome sitting in a 15-passenger van driving through North Dakota? <laughs> Living the dream, right? Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, so this is... You know what I've discovered about North Dakota while I was here? <laughs> What's that? They love huge statues of animals. Just in in their common, like, town areas? Just, <laughs> yeah, just gigantic statues of animals. We've seen a cow, a giant crane, and a bison. <laughs> you're 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 hitting so all all numbers there of the animals. That's pretty awesome. Oh yeah, that's right. So if you got this is a outside of our normal recording uh, scenario, um, James is actually on the road, um, as he said, in a 15 passenger van. So this is our first actual phone call recording. So if there's any road noise or added noise, we apologize, but um. It was worth getting his time in his busy schedule. Um, Thank so you. thanks, James, for one, just for joining us. For those who don't um, aren't familiar with you or your work or the band you're in, go ahead and give a quick rundown of who you are and what you're doing right now. Sure. Um, I'm in a Christian rock and roll band called Cutlass. Uh We're from Portland, Oregon, and um, we started in the early 2000s. Our first record came out in 2002. Uh, and I've been touring the world ever since. Um, like we mentioned in the intro, um, I've been to all 50 states, uh, all over the world, 18, 19 countries or something like that. Um, made a whole bunch of records. And, yeah, it, it's really cool, man. We we love what we're doing. I play guitar in the band, um, and I'm really into music and um, both songwriting, recording, uh, engineering in a business or a career, I guess, where I get to do all that with other creatives, 
uh, and travel the world at the same time and kind of capture, um, you know, a really unique perspective from that. That's awesome. So it's, it's, it seems like you started out in a band and it was, you know, playing music and touring and it's be- developed into much more of a deeper passion and understanding of either like what writing music is or the mechanics of, yeah. you know, technically what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it just kind of, um, you know, it, it kind of like spurred on this deeper passion for sure. people too, because like that, that interaction between like my, you know, my life and my perspective, what I've grown up, uh, with and, uh, you know, formulated as my worldview as a Westerner and then traveling the world and seeing this, uh, you know, intermixing of all these different cultures and experiencing the way that those people live their lives and the way sure. that they celebrate and stuff. Like, yeah, it's just been a really cool, uh, experience to be traveling the world all these years and, um, I feel that's awesome. So how did you get um your start playing music? Like what was your path to becoming, you know, a guy touring in a band versus you know, coming through school and education and, you know, kind of discovering yeah. that? Well, early on in my life I remember really feeling like connected to music. Um obviously like any of us who grew up with um music in our in our home, it was like um my enjoyment came from listening it at first, you know, on the record player or on the radio or whatever. And uh, thankfully, I, I really feel like my mom, who I was raised by a single mom, I really feel like my mom um, had pretty great musical taste. You know, she was a child of the 50s and 60s and loved the Beatles. And uh, we just, we listened to all that stuff growing up and a wide array of other stuff too, classical music, jazz. And so early on, I started singing a lot and um she got me involved in like youth choirs, uh, and if I wanted, and um, like singing lessons and stuff if I wanted. <laughs> um, and um, then I, I started playing instruments when I was like in third grade. Um, growing up in Connecticut, they offered um, orchestra, like symphony instruments. So I tried violin and viola, and uh, that just kind of sparked a passion for like actually having an instrument in my hands, like something that I can manipulate to like, uh, not only play back music that I loved and had heard, but also to create with and to like express myself with. And, uh, early on, I just always felt like a connection to music in that way. Like this is the way that my mind, uh, my soul, I guess you could say feels most comfortable expressing itself is music. So, yeah, I played a bunch of instruments before I ever got to guitar. Um, picked up guitar when I was like 12. That's right. So that has been kind of your path years. since you've learned, was just always doing music. There was nothing else that you weren't like a banker or anything crazy outside of music. You've just been that whole thing your entire life. Yeah. I mean, that's rad. I mean, most people like kind of, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, to do music <laughs> like, or was doing yeah. music and just had to do something else, but it seems like it, it was pretty focused for you. It was. I mean, and, and I've, I've got pretty broad mm-hmm. instrument, uh, interest, to be totally honest. Like, I loved sports growing up, and to this day, I'm still, like, a huge sports fan. Um, I love, you know, basketball and hockey and football and baseball. Like, I love it. Um, and so I grew up playing sports, and I was super active, and I was always really into art, so, like, drawing and painting things. And uh, my mom was super into photography, so 
Um, I love photography yeah. too, and to this day I still shoot um, 35 millimeter photography with some like vintage cameras that I bring around with me. And um, so yeah, I love a lot of different stuff. But Cutlass, uh, our band, um, you know, I started pretty much two days after graduation of high school. I moved up to Portland and moved into a house with my dudes. And we were a band, and then we got signed that summer and started making records and touring. So I've been doing this since I was 18. Uh, but, I mean, before that I had, you know, normal jobs. Like, um, I actually worked at a farm growing up, like, uh, from, like, 12 on. Yeah, that was super fun. And then I worked at, uh, like, a, a burger place, and I worked at a Boys yeah. and Girls Club, and then I worked at this skate shop sure, called sure. Zoomies. And, you know, I, I did a bunch of, like, normal stuff, too. That's right. Yeah, so we, recording, um, touring we met first um, at the Anaheim, in Anaheim, I think, right, at, at a venue you were playing, um, and our yeah. common friend and also co-host who isn't on this call, yeah. <laughs> um, Jesse Craig, because um, he's got his own life now um, and isn't always available to record. <laughs> but we met through that, um, and just the initial conversations we had really um, – He does. You know, we've, I've met a lot of people through Jesse, and you were one of the people that kind of stood out to me just in how you approach music um, and just this authenticity to, like, actually meet the people that were coming out to see you and to meet the people that were around you. Um, and I, and you, don't, you don't always see that, you know, and people that – like, if people aren't familiar with your band, you guys are, you. are fairly um, big and well-known, especially sure. in the, the Christian, um, you know, church scene. Um, what – is that just kind of how you are? Is that something that you yeah. has always been a part of you, is just being authentic and taking people for who they are? Is that something that you've made intentional as you've become somewhat of like a figure in a band um, and being, you know, thought out? Well, I mean, first of all, thank you, because I can't pass sure. by that compliment and feel, yeah, you course. know, uh, nothing but gratitude and just totally touched. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I think, I think to some extent... It is kind of quote unquote hardwired into me. Um, I'm I'm a student right now, and I promise this is going to go somewhere. <laughs> I'm a student right now. I'm in seminary, and I've had to take several like philosophy courses. And throughout that, I've gotten to do a lot of like self exploration of like um, what different personality types are and different learning types and everything. And so, I, I, in reviewing my own personality profile. I am a somewhat yeah. unique personality profile for a male uh, called the INFJ, which is um, like less than 2% of the male population of the world is classifiably uh, INFJ. And it, within that whole, you know, personality profile, um, I really, really thrive off of like observing people mm -hmm and responding to the way they talk and, like, their body language. And I really pick up on a lot of, like, what they're doing or feeling or where they've come from. And I try I try and, you know, subconsciously, I try and just kind of match that back to them and just provide something that is comforting to them. And it, it, I really do, like, care about people a lot. And the weird thing about my job is that I'm often forced to, like, be uh, very quick with people or, like, not go very deep with people. And my personality is such that when I meet someone, I, for better or worse, like, I really 
desire to go deep with them pretty quick. So I make friends sure. very easily yeah. and very quickly. Like, you know, you and me became friends <laughs> like that. You know, it was super easy. And Or like people on a plane. Like I'll sit next to a guy on a plane. Uh, for instance, this this pastor named Phil, he's like 10 years old. I met him on a plane once, and this is like 10 years ago, and we still talk to each other on the phone. And uh, he's awesome. He's just this old English guy, and he's just really encouraging to me while we sat there and talked, and he and I still text each other and call each other and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really do care about connecting with people, and um, uh, though I am human, and I realize from time to time that I am being a total a-hole to people, and I'm being selfish and unkind, I have to remind myself that, you know, hey, stop acting like that. Remember that like cool. about others. How, how have you seen, you know, certain like this? So, yeah, you it know, is important to me for sure. Starting out at 18 and being just a guy that plays guitar and now being somewhat of an influencer to, I'm sure, lots of kids and lots of people that, yeah. you know, call your guys' music. Um, like, as designers and as, like, a lot of other creators, like, making tangible things, we have a responsibility as yeah. far as, you know, making sure that it's it's efficient or doing its job or, or selling a product. You have, obviously, other initiatives and things that, you know, are whether you are or aren't doing your job, like... Yeah. How, like how has that changed in your mindset of the responsibility of the position and like the 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 role you have in a band rather than just like playing music so as a musician and as a, a fan of music in general um i hope that i am inspiring to people because uh i have been inspired by music that i loved growing up but um with you know, with being in such a prominently uh, faith-oriented mm -hmm. band, uh, you know, such a prominently ministry-focused band, um, I also very much desire to be an influence. And so I think that's, that's the real answer for me, like, is uh, a healthy balance between both inspiration and influence. And I really do regard um, everything that I feel that God has created uh uh, our our band to be, you know, the platform that we've achieved, I really do regard that as a means to um, be a leader and be a role model and to strive to be um, just a person who represents the gospel to people and represents mm -hmm. uh, just yeah. this magnificent, transforming love of Jesus Christ who has changed my life to people, you know. So, um, because of, because of the way we've been kind of thrust into the limelight, you know, and, and it happened really early on, uh, mainly because our band was kind of yeah. the only band at yeah. the time when we started in the Christian industry that was like hard rock and like singing, you know, like melodic, catchy vocals. So it was kind of a refreshing moment to a lot of people who were like, oh, sweet, finally a band <laughs> sure. like this, you know, like this. Uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, like this secular band that I like, you know. That's, I think mm -hmm. a lot of our fans started off kind of saying that, um, and now we've gotten to kind of grow up with those people and at the same time have new, uh, newer fans or, or younger yeah. fans, uh, not necessarily exclusively new and young, but both, just new people or younger fans. And um, 
they're kind of with us on this journey now too. And so I want to, I want to really value what they're going through and where they're at in life. And I just That's think right. that yeah, it's a, funny that you're, you know, I've always been familiar, obviously, with Cutlass. Um, and my intro into music, as far as like a, a hobby, not just like I had listened to music, was the hardcore scene itself. And it was always obscure enough that, like, even if it was like a Christian band that was, you know, a metal or hardcore band, it was so obscure that it didn't still fall into like radio music or music you could find in a store. Um, and I feel like you guys were just on the brink of that where it was enough to where kids could be into it, where people could see it as, like, normal music. It's not like acoustic yeah. guitars and pianos, you know, but still have, you know, a quality message, something that was, um, you know, gratifying. Um, and I think that's... I, I, I think yeah. that's been part of you guys' success. Yeah. You've been able to find that balance between not being a cliche Christian band but also not being so obscure where you, you're not saying really anything you know what I mean um, and it's interesting it's got to be a weird tension to be especially like as you like classify yourselves and as you write music and as you promote your guys or like what labels you take and those kind of things yeah um, but I yeah. feel like you guys have had a nice balance there and it's been part of your success well I, yeah I mean we've tried we've tried our best and that's all we can do at the end of the day is, is look yeah exactly is you know look back on our career and say well yes we were striving to be authentic in each of those instances where we like made that decision to do this or the other thing. Um, because honestly, it's all a matter of sub subjectivity. Like, um, it's, it's really like, you know, the, the way you, um, just phrase, uh, like your perspective sure, on sure. our career is completely different than someone else who, who would say, oh, yeah, they are a total cliche of such and such. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I can't measure what we're doing by what people say about it. Um, I have to just um, pray for wisdom and follow uh, where the Lord leads me and just be confident in that. And I think that there is something that's totally okay in being confident, um, confident in what God is doing, not confident in my own, uh, abilities because that borders on arrogance, you know. So I don't ever want to do this band and and be like arrogant, but I do. Right. Well, if you're validated by everyone else's expectations, you're always going to, to fail. Right. So it's like, it doesn't really matter. As long as you're content and you share. Yeah, of course. We're trying our course. best. Yeah. Cool. So one of the th things I want to touch on a little bit, if you're willing to share, and it's totally. not yeah. free to it, it be down, but one of a yeah. lot of our conversation yeah. when we were, I think, eating yeah. Del Taco. Um, was around, um, yeah, I think I actually discovered the, um, what's it called? The burrito, uh, what is oh, it? Man, the I style of the french fries and sour cream in it. The, um, no, I, I thought, I swear, yes, I think that was the first time I had it, and you or one of your bandmates told me about it. What's it called? <laughs> That sounds so I delicious. I think it's called like stoner Did you have that, that something like that? But it's, I'll bet you that Nick told you about that because Nick was... Yeah, so for someone's going to be yelling at me oh, as I'm like stumbling over that. that. But yeah, you can order any burrito. I was just a closet style, and they put or um, their french fries and, and they're like white, creamy, sour cream sauce in it. Yeah. Anyways, we were eating um, Del Taco and... Uh, and a lot of our conversation was around that being, so being a parent um, and kind of the struggles of that and, and really the 
the vulnerability of that and that there's no real like guide of how to do it and you kind of have to take it day by day. Um, yeah. And you have a beautiful son. I know that's been a journey yeah. for you. Um, like where is your head at now that you, you know, you travel, you're in a band, um, you have a very yeah. unique kind of profession. Um, and at the same time, you know, you're away from home a lot. You have a son um, who seems um, amazing. Uh, like what, what has been your journey um, with that as being a father? You know, um, being a father has totally changed my life. Jacob is my son. He's nine years old now. Um, my son was born with um, Asperger's syndrome, highly functioning autism, uh, and sure. he also has uh, pretty severe ADHD. Um, but so I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit and share some history. Um, when I was a kid, my dad left when I was like one uh, and as I mentioned earlier in the podcast right. I was raised by a single mom and she's the greatest uh, and my dad is awesome too but you know that's my story he left you know he chose to be away from me my whole childhood and um, you know I grew up going to visit him once a year once or twice a year sometimes and because uh, mm-hmm. he moved away to Nashville Tennessee um and uh, incidentally, I see him often because, you know, we go there for business a lot as a band. So I go pop into Whole Foods and say hi to my papa real quick. But um, in that, I grew up without a dad and then had a stepfather from age 6 to age 11 who uh, beat the crap out of me my whole childhood. Um, I had a very... Uh, I had a very broken view of what a father was and what a father should be. And when when we uh, when I was 11 and we basically fled to get away from my stepfather, we basically fled Connecticut and moved across the country. And that's how I ended up in Oregon. Um, we, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was I was very just kind of, I don't know, topsy-turvy for a while. Like, I was so angry at having my childhood, like, robbed away from me, you know, uh, and, and being, like, subjected to living in, like, fear of him all the time. And, um, and, and yet, at the same time, as a child, I really mm-hmm. remember feeling like, because, um, like I said, I really, I observe people around me at all times, and I'm constantly, like, subtly responding to what they're doing or saying, you know? Um, And so I remember as a child realizing that a lot of people who grew up being abused, um, they unfortunately let it kind of dictate the rest of their life. Um, Like, they very much um, were affected by it and and, uh, sort of wore it on their sleeves, so to speak, you know? And I just... I decided at a very young age, I just knew, I was like, I'm not going to let this change me. I'm not going to let this dictate the rest of my life, you know? And so becoming a Christian helped a lot in that regard because all of a sudden I was introduced to uh, a father, and not only a father, but the father. Like, God, as my father was probably one of the biggest paradigm shifts I experienced in my life. Um, and right when I got saved, like, that was one of the most comforting things to me. And it really kind of changed my view about how I could be 
a parent eventually. Yeah. And so when I became a dad, um, I tell Jacob this all the time, hey, I'm, I'm so thankful I'm a dad, but more importantly, I'm really thankful I'm your daddy. And because I, I want him to know that, like, he changed my life. Like, he made, you know, yeah. such a difference in my life. And although it, it's kind of a role reversal, like, it's, you know, I'm his dad, I still got so much um, fulfillment out of that that I felt like I missed out on as a kid. Um, and then being able to, like, help him through his struggles with autism uh, and ADHD, uh just in, in that unique perspective that my wife and I have gained from having a kid with special needs um, has really opened up my eyes into how I see the world. Um, and, uh, and it's not so compartmentalized anymore to me. Like, I really see people as all needing the same things, like the same basic needs. And, and I see this even when we travel. Like, when we go to really poor countries, like third world countries, we're involved with several charities where we go and, like, um, you know, help yeah. out at these projects where they're helping kids get educated and, and, and to be safe and have, you know, nutritious food and medicine and clothing and, and learn, like, a skill or a career or a trade or something. We go to these third-world countries, and you realize that their poverty is not only limited to finances, but their poverty is really right. hopelessness. That's what defines their poverty. They have no hope that they will ever reach a different kind of life where they can rise above the, you know, the cultural limits, so to speak. So really what everyone is affected by worldwide, whether they believe in God or not, but what everyone is affected by worldwide is hopelessness. And so mm-hmm. just being able to uh, center my family, you know, me and Lindsay and Jacob, around uh, faith in Jesus Christ and allowing him to just provide for us and lead us and really for us to depend on him like that has been uh, my greatest joy in life like I love being in a band I love making records I love meeting fans I love playing live shows but like what has really made me the man I am today is that God entrusted this ministry of my wife and my son to me and he has helped me throughout it year after year that's awesome and thanks for sharing that I mean I think there's I think there's a a great benefit where there's great loss or great like struggle and I I feel like there's for me I've had a very different story where I had a very supportive dad and you know I I love being a father as well but I think there's this um, sentiment and there's this uh, yeah yeah there's this attribute of, of drive and value when you've seen without. And I, I really um, I really admire and can, can see where you're coming from and, and think that that's um, super special for you and your son to have and for your family. Um, that's rad. Um, so you guys have released a lot of albums um, and you've done a, uh, um, written a lot of music, a lot of music that's very well known. Um, just getting on the more creative side of, yeah, of what you do, uh, we've talked about, you know, some bands and, and some kind of, you know, our sources <laughs> of inspiration and what has kind of crafted our aesthetics is what we like in music. How do you, like, how do you um, continue developing as as a contributing member of your band and, and 
what you like the new albums you write like how they sound what's the source of inspiration behind sure. you know what you're writing what you know what keeps you excited you know about writing music what keeps it um, interesting you know um, you hit on this a little bit earlier but because we're kind of an established band and we have course, a particular yeah. way of marketing ourselves that can right. sometimes feel like a limitation you know because I don't just I don't only like the kind of music that, like, my band sounds like. <laughs> In fact, that's not really what I like. <laughs> I like a lot of heavier sure. stuff or, like, punk rock or even, like, classical music. Right. And stuff. So, um, or indie, like, you know, kind of instrumental, like, um, I don't know, like, Johan Johansson or um, This Will Destroy You or Explosions in the Sky, that kind of stuff. Um so, yeah, really, it's it's kind of, what, what I'm trying to do is I try and stay well-grounded in what I grew up being inspired by and what made me the kind of guitar player I am today. Um, I try and stay well-grounded in that and just, like, kind of always practicing that stuff. Um, when, I was, when I was 12 and I, and I first yeah. started playing guitar, um, <laughs> I actually skipped the whole step of, learning chords on an acoustic guitar first and I saved up all summer long mowing yards and doing yard work to buy an electric guitar and I was like I'm going to shred first that's what I'm going to (laughs) do so I bought an electric guitar and um, this uh, little practice amp it was called a PV Rage 158 and uh, that came as a package and I got and my first guitar was so crappy it was actually a copy of a copy of a Strat so it was, it was made by this company called Honer, sure. and I put stickers all over it, and I thought I was, like, super punk rock and cool. But, um, like, literally I would just sit in my room, and um, I would listen to, like, the Dead Kennedys or, like, Metallica and, like, try and just play along, you know? Uh, and I remember when uh, Smashing Pumpkins sure. put out Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, um, I got that record, and I just, like, tore it apart like every day I was playing that record and trying to play along and like I felt like it was such a diverse record that I had a lot to learn from it you know and so like to this day I still do that like I'll sit in my you know music room at my office at home and I'll just like kind of noodle around like play along with stuff until it kind of inspires me and I and I start taking it a different direction right or you know, yeah, I, I just, I feel like that's what I can bring to my band is sort of like my individual flavor and the things that influence me, like, you know, the rhythm guitar players. Yeah. I really well, I, I find that's interesting with most bands. James like, if you talk to most people, John. Um, so, like, I just they don't often listen to the music that they write, that like people within the same genre, right? Like, the band ends up becoming uh, with what all of the members collectively, right? Right? <laughs> So it's not it's not this thing where they you know and I mean there are some scenarios I'm sure where everyone's like into a specific genre and they write that music but I find more often than not things aren't that cut and dry um, and so yeah. I think that's where you actually get a lot more eclectic yeah. and progressive Very music true. is when Very it's true. written from many perspectives rather than just one single perspective. Totally, yeah, and and from the perspective that I've gained from the music I grew up loving. Um, what I try to bring to our songs 
sure. is um, I really value like a guitar hook, so to speak. Like mm-hmm. everyone talks about, like, yeah. well, okay, we're in the in the melody of the chorus. Is there a hook? You know, that's important for like uh, a radio, like a successful band at radio. There's got to be a hook, you know. And obviously, like <laughs> the pop radio, which I don't really, but um, like Taylor Swift and, and stuff like that, you know, there's always a hook. Um, and that's why uh, a video of a cop singing along to shake it off in his car can get like 3 million views on YouTube because there's that simple hook and people just kind of love sure. it and they bounce around and they love it. But I've always valued um, when music has like a musical hook or in my case, a guitar hook too. So I, I always try and make something memorable yeah. that kind of circles back around as a, a tag which is sort of a musical term, but like tag, <laughs> yeah. uh, post-chorus leading into a yeah. verse or... That's uh, awesome. Yeah, what is your guys' typical writing process? I'm curious like, being a musician that borrows that writing music. Like, like, what is your guys' you, like, who's the main contributors with your process? Here's that new song, it goes like this. Super, super varied. Like, throughout the years, you know, we're about to make our ninth album, and I'm writing for that right now. And, um, Throughout the years, like our uh, our singer and myself have written a lot of the music, and um, our former guitar player Nick Zuparti, uh wrote a lot of the music with us. And typically, when we're working with a producer or somebody, we end up writing with them too. So, like Aaron Sprinkle produced our first five albums, and then we worked with a producer named Pete Kipley, and we wrote with him while we were doing that. Actually, that project was super fun because we recorded for like an entire year and That's people right. came on the road with us and we traveled around it and we were recording in like, you know, locker rooms at the show we were sure. at or we would like, we would be like, oh, we're in Philly in, you know, three days. Let's call ahead and see if there's a recording studio in Philly where we could like get some session time. Uh, and on that record, we also flew over to London and recorded at Abbey Road which is, like, obviously a huge milestone for me. So um, that was super fun. And then we recorded, we started doing most of our yeah. records at home, actually, in Portland. <laughs> Hot off the uh, press. our buddy Dave Lubin <laughs> and recording in his home studio. So we would write with him, too. And then on this new record upcoming, uh, this will be the very first podcast I've ever announced this on, but we are about to work with Aaron Sprinkle again, which is going to be sick. Yeah. Our, our original fans are, like, doing backflips. <laughs> they're like, yeah, they're cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, sometimes we'll write with outside writers, too. Like, um, we really like to write with this guy named Scott Crepain. He's a friend of ours from Seattle. Or, um, like, Jason Ingram in Nashville, people like that. So um, my buddy Phil Wickham, who lives down where you live, um, he and I have written together a few times, and he wrote with Nick several times, too. So, yeah, we all kind of, like, sometimes we'll write in pairs or sometimes we'll write as a group, actually, like, jamming off of each other in the same room, like, rehearsal style, or sometimes we'll write alone and then bring a song in and, like, hey, check this song out, you know? So it's super varied, actually. I usually start with music first, just the way my mind works. I hear, like, 
It's cool. Yeah, yeah, I've been watching a lot of like, um, all the parts all together. documentaries that are different. I just finished uh, Sonic Highways and a bunch of other. Um, I've been going down those like tunnels, you know. There's some good ones on on Vice and whatnot. And I realized like, how how complex music, uh, like writing of music, is. It's not usually just like four singular people in a room writing music. That it's usually so seasoned from like either the environment they're in or the people that are yes. there while they're writing. That like music really is this kind of communication yeah. process, which I think is super unique. You don't totally. see that in a lot of other mediums. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, and I think that most um, people who yeah. I guess you could call them like casual listeners, uh, most people don't even ever realize that. They just kind of hear a produced, you know, finished product on a on a record or something. And um, um, they don't realize what went into that, you know. And the other thing I think is super cool about music, um, uh, and this kind of came to me just a couple of years ago, like I've been playing live music for most of my life, sure. whether actually in like a rock band or whether in like an orchestra arrangement. But um, it, it's crazy to me to think about yeah, uh, since that's been such a huge part of my life, it's crazy to me to think about how most people will never know what it feels like to no, be on special, stage right? with some people and just jamming and like that supernatural just connection that happens when you're like totally gelling and you're like in the moment. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's something special that music has that a lot of other mediums don't. Maybe photography, like photography is very like reactionary and kind of in the moment, but um. It is, but it's also super uh, solitary, you know, because, like, I'm super into photography, too, but I'm always alone, yeah. which I also like. It's, it's, I'm, I've just been, I've been researching Portland a lot lately because I hope to learn Being a fan based out of there, has that, that been something that you feel like has been something that makes you guys unique and that you're not based out of <laughs> Tennessee or L.A. I hope or to New York? Yeah, I definitely think that that is... <laughs> contributed to who we are our identity as a band and i mean hopefully it's made us unique i personally i I don't really i know that cutlass doesn't exist for us to be quote-unquote unique you know so um while i i wish that people thought we were totally unique and really cool i know that a lot of people don't and that's fine um but i think that being from portland and continuing to live there has been very (laughs) Um, good for us because um, as a Christian band um, Portland <laughs> is um, maybe uh, surprisingly a great place to be from because we kind of stick out like you know a zebra with purple polka dots or something it's like whoa that's weird why why are they like that you know and, and honestly like Portland hates us <laughs> like we've gotten We've gotten written up in press a couple times there. Um, the, the mainstream newspaper, uh, I guess I can't name them because that would be standard, but the mainstream most popular newspaper there uh, flat out told us they refuse to ever do an article about us sure. because we are a Christian band. Um, and like other you know, magazines, local magazines and stuff have written us up before and just been like, they're gay. They're totally lame. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. I it, I think what's good about it is realizing that um, we're to love those people anyway. And 
you know, I just love walking around Portland and just the vibe that it has and the creativity uh, of all the people there because they're all creative and unique in their own way. And um, as a collective um, community, I find it very inspiring, and I actually really like yeah. being around. That's cool that you have that kind of beat. It's like this is who we are. Me a way to you're not validated what by I've learned about my space. We talked about the right. You're not validated by what who, people think the type of person I, I claim I am. Like very I claim about to be that, a person that. who is going to be loving to people no matter what. Like Christ, come to Awesome. Well, we're coming up on time, and I know that you're on the road, and I guess your time isn't so precious today because you're just on the road. But um, I want to give you a chance to give any shout-outs. I know you guys released an album last year, um, and you're um, working on an album now. Is there anything else that you want to share or um, tell our listeners about? Right. Right. For sure. Yep. No, you know, I mean, just maybe follow me on Twitter or Instagram because I'm always talking about stuff on there. And um, follow Cutlass, and we'll let you know what we're doing. And um, our new drummer is actually super into video right. production, so we've been producing all these short video journals, and we're actually working on um, self-producing a full-length cool. like documentary awesome. film. About um, you're pretty much everywhere online at um, Jamie Cutlass. So um, we'll link it and just like. Uh, it's just been really fun. So we're coming uh, up on really fun trips. Yes, we're going to Ukraine. We'll link it up so you guys don't get it wrong. Yeah, man, thanks for, thanks for around uh, sharing your background. Too, so. and, and yeah, it should be exciting. We've really got some fun stuff to share with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, ha- we'll have to meet up next time you're in town and um, get some dog uh, talk. <laughs> sure, it's actually J.R. Mead Cutlass. Yeah, I mean, frankly, you, we can just eat here at Google if you want. That food's much better. Anytime you want, well, yeah, you let me know. We'll make it happen, man. Absolutely. Awesome. Good. Thanks thank awesome. a lot, man. I loved it. That was fun. If you don't design your life, someone else will design it for you, and you may just not like their idea of balance. Try to find, try to find, try to find balance. Try to find, try to find, try to find balance. Thanks again for listening to The Balance. We want to thank James for taking time out of his busy schedule to chat with us. We hope you enjoyed his input. Follow James on Twitter and Instagram at jrmeadcutlass and visit cutlass.com for more info. We also want to thank our sponsors over at Pear. Make sure to give them a follow at Pear Booking for their progress. To keep up with The Balance, you can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Balance Podcast, and follow the hashtag Balance or Die. To find more episodes, go to thebalance.cc, and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. As always, give us a shout-out and let us know how we're doing or what you think about the content. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Vaughn, and I make this awesome podcast sound pretty. You can find me anywhere at the Joshua Breed and our host Joel at underscore BKLMN. Be well. Cheers. I'm trying to find the balance. I'm trying to find the balance. I'm trying to build the balance. I'm trying to find the balance. I'm trying to build the balance.